Today we're thinking in our, continuing our theme of the carols. Last Sunday was come by long expected Jesus. Today we're looking at Hark the Angels Sing. Next week we'll have the uh, lessons in carols at the two traditional uh, services. And then we have Joy to the World. So this is a great time to look at the great music. You know, we have two parallels. We have the hymnal and the scripture, and these fit together. Uh, the, the hymnal is a book of theology. It's a, it's a book of our beliefs. This is how we express ourselves and how we reiterate what we believe about various things, and today we have that uh, focus on the angels. Uh, you know, it's interesting how many angels yet are involved in the nativity story. How many would you guess without sitting there and counting up like this? How many, uh, what, would, what would you say, how many angels were involved in this story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not counting the host, get the host. <laughs> we, don't, we have no number for them. A multitude means people up. Lots of them. Well, actually, there, there are at least four Angel came to Joseph and to Mary and to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and of course to the to the shepherds that we're talking about this morning. But there might be a fifth because that someone, something, told the wise men after they worshipped the Christ child not to go back and tell Herod where he was. We presume that some divine being, presumably an angel, so we'll say the number is five and pass that point already. Thank you for that. Now, the star of our show today is uh, the angels, particularly the, the one uh, angel. Now, I want you to take a little uh, quiz, a little true and false quiz about angels, okay? Just to get us uh, on the same page together. Uh, you, will, you will respond whether you think it's true that the statement I read is true or false. First one, angels are real. Two, some angels rebelled against God. Number three, angels are believers who have died and gone to heaven. You're doing good. (laughs) Four, angels are invisible but can become visible at times. That's kind of weak, but. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, we individually have garden. Guardian angels. True. Okay, you, you've passed the test so far. Now, just to, just to quote from uh, Psalm 91: He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And six and final: It's okay to worship angels. False, right. Worship God, try him God, and him only shall we worship. A couple of references uh, in general to angels. Martin Luther said, an angel is a spiritual creature without a body, created by God for the service of Christendom and the church. John Calvin said that angels are dispensers and administrators of the divine beneficence of God toward us. They regard our safety, undertake our defense, 
direct our ways and exercise a constant solicitude that no evil befall us. Now, angels appear in uh, different places at different times. For example, a couple of uh, Saturdays ago, there was an angel over in the uh, other state, and uh, there was a ball game going on. <laughs> and, and, and one team was down by several points. The other team had fourth and 18 yards. They threw a hell mayor, which is really is not a theological term. <laughs> and and, it, and the, the one team was about to intercept that pass in the game and be the winners, but an angel reached out and tipped it out of their hands <laughs> into another player who was running at first, and he won, and they won the game. A week later, <laughs> it's the same angel. <laughs> Showed up at the Iron Bowl. <laughs> and uh, some, some dumb coach decided to go for a 57-yard field goal by a kicker who had only kicked three times in a college game in his life. He fell short. Davis caught it, went for a touchdown again. The angel paved his way, knocked down those big fat uh, defenders scored uh, uh, the touchdown and they won again. They never yesterday. <laughs> well, I don't need to go into detail about what happened to the Ohio State up there. But you get the idea that God who, who he, he intervenes in our affairs of men. Now, let's make it uh, clear that when we, we think about the fact that there is a a group of angels that we refer to as fallen angels. The chief of the fallen angels is uh, Lucifer, as he is sometimes called. That's uh, used in the uh, Latin Vulgate translation. But he was uh, Satan, the devil, and all other kinds of names. Now, I want to make it clear. Some people think in terms of God being the good God here and equal to him in power is a bad God who is Satan, who is the devil, who is Lucifer, etc. That's not the way the diagram works. We have at the top of the diagram, you, you see it at the top of the diagram, here is God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here are the good angels led by such great warriors as Michael and then there's Gabriel and so forth. Then over here, the bad angels, Lucifer, the devil, and so forth, and his army of demons that existed. They are the ones who are, are combating in, the, in uh, the same kind of strength and ability. But God is over all. It's important for us to remember that. It's interesting how often Jesus made a reference to Satan. <clears throat> I'm going to go down this list uh, pretty quickly because it's amazingly long. What Jesus said of Satan, enemy, the evil one, prince of this world, liar and father of lies, and murderer, I saw him fall from heaven, he has a kingdom, evil men are his sons, he sowed tares among the wheat, snatches the word from hearers, bound a woman for 18 years, the desire to have Peter has his own angel, the eternal fires prepared for him. That's, those are out of the words of Jesus. Jesus must have thought realizing, being aware of, and being conscious of there being an evil spirit whose desire is to uh, 
destroy us and our faith is important for us to remember and to practice. We remember Paul saying to the Ephesians, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand your, take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggles are not with flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, which are different classifications of, of uh, angels, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Jesus said that the devil uh, is like a thief who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we have the story of the fall of... With my notes. The fall of the, uh, in Isaiah 14th chapter, the 12th verse, we have a description of the fall of uh, Lucifer, of the devil, and he says that he is going to uh, assume God's power, and there are, there are five wills, I will do so and so. Uh, and the writer of uh, Isaiah is confronting him with this. Uh, boldness, this arrogance that he is exhibiting toward, uh, toward God. Uh, from the Isaiah 14 chapter. How you have fallen from earth, morning star, which is what Lucifer translates to in Matthew. Son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, and here are the five words, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will enthrone, be enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Siphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And then the writer of Isaiah pronounces the results of such arrogance, but you are brought down to the realms of death in the depth of uh, the pit. Peter also points out uh, this, for he says, For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So, one may ask, well, why, why, you know, Christmas is supposed to be a good, happy time, you know, and sing the uh, light hymns and joyful and exciting and, and uh, why do you, why, you, you're making me depressed, John. <laughs> uh, why do you want to bring in all that, that, that stuff? I, I bring it in because it is as much a central part of the Christmas story. Uh, if you go back to Matthew 2, in Matthew, the second chapter, we have the story of the Magi, the three kings. We, we, we just say we think they're three. Uh, and we learn that the villain of that story is who? Whom? Herod. Herod. He wasn't very nice. He murdered his wife. Let me see if I can find the, the list. He murdered his wife. He murdered his mother-in-law. He murdered his, murdered his son-in-law. He murdered uh, three sons. He murdered uh, countless others who are not an uncle, not even listed. He was a, a drastic character. He is, he is an integral part of it because he tells the Magi kings to come back and report to him when they have found his location. And of course, they were warned in the dream not to do that elsewhere. The thing that I'm wanting us to appreciate and understand 
is to reaffirm that we know that we live in a spiritual universe. Sometimes we can be so uh, taken by natural thought in our, in our society to think in terms of, of a good angels, etc. Maybe sort of uh, not really necessary, just a part of the, the mythology of the Christmas story. But it, it's a thing that we need to understand that we don't just live in a physical world. As somebody said, we are, are not uh, bodies with a spirit. We are a spirit with a body. We live in a cosmic world that is made of, of supernatural powers and things that are going on there. And part of that is what happens uh, with the entrance of God himself incarnate, becoming a human being in this nativity story, and he confronts uh, Satan with Satan's most powerful uh, tool, his, his uh, worst arrow in his quiver that he has uh, with the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And of course, Jesus rises triumphantly at the eternity. Now, let us move then to the story of, of the shepherds and the shepherds. Shepherds in uh, first century Palestine were not an admirable lot. They were kind of considered to be scorned as uh, being shiftless. They were notorious about of taking their sheep and raising them on someone else's land. And you can imagine how popular that, that uh, made them. They were pretty low on the social uh, structure. structure. And uh, it's important for us to remember uh, that something significant in God choosing those lowly shepherds to be the, among the first to receive the message of the birth of the Christ child, the, the coming of the Messiah. Uh, listen to what Paul says in the First Corinthians. Think of what you were when not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised thing and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, that no one may boast before him. The lowest of society, he chose to reveal the coming of his son and designated for them where he may be located. Uh, one of the ways that we can study scripture is, uh, is use of those W words. Uh, I had the privilege of serving on the high school newspaper when I was uh, in high school. And uh, one of the things that we were reminded by the journalism teacher was that you you want to write your lead paragraph to your article in the newspaper by answering questions about the, the who, what, when, where, why, and so on. And we can look at scripture this way, particularly if it's a narrative, the way we can become involved in that is by play, putting ourselves into it and dealing with those questions. In this case, we say that uh, to whom is this experience given? That, of course, is the shepherds. But if we're, if we're putting ourselves in it, then to whom is this good news given? To us. This is our good news. This is what has come to us. Uh, when does this happen? 
And the uh, angels said uh, that it is now. For unto you now is the day, this day. So put ourselves in there. How, how do we not just think of this story as something that happened uh, a long, long time ago, but something that we can experience afresh in our lives and receive it as our own? Where does this happen? It happens in the city, the city of David, which was, of course, Bethlehem. They were nearby, and of course, did not have far to travel to find Mary and Joseph and, and the baby. But the interesting thing is that it was not Jerusalem, which was the capital and which was under the control of the uh, Roman appointees. But this is in a small town away from there, and Joseph and Mary were there because they were the lineage of David, uh, which is another story all together. But what is the good news? The good news is that, and he and three uh, titles are used, that uh, there is a Savior who is Christ, who is the Lord. It, this is what is where God is promising, filling, filling His promise to send to Israel a Messiah that will bring salvation and restoration. God's kingly reign over his people is on the way. And uh, we'll interject uh, another different word, how. They say, how, how is this to be? How can we know that uh, you're real and we can depend on you? And he said, well, I'll give you a sign. It's going to be a little different from what you might expect. But you go to Bethlehem and you find a baby wrapped in the, the swaddling clothes. And this will be the sign. Because God is coming into the world as a human being, in this instance, initially, of course, as a, as a baby. And then they are uh, greeted with a heavenly host that we were so eager to include in the uh, appearances of angels. Uh, and they sing a message to the lowly shepherds. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to whom, to men on whom his favor rests. Notice the relationship between the glory of God and the peace, the order in which that comes. The peace that comes, comes from recognizing the glory of God. As our lives give glory to God, then we receive a peace within us. It gives us victory, it gives us solace, it gives her uh, the knowledge of the presence of God. We, we, we can't get that up uh, the other way around. We can't start out and say, God, give me your peace and then I will glorify you. It doesn't work that way. And then the uh, angel uh, departs and the shepherds look at one another. I'd be interested to know who spoke first and uh, it, what kind of discussion was required or necessary uh, for them to make their decision. But their uh, conclusion was, let's go. Now, we're not told whether all of the shepherds who were uh, watching sheep, that we don't know how many there were, whether two or three or 15, how many of them went, how many of them stayed, probably didn't really want to abandon the sheep uh, overnight, even though the trip was kind of short, they could have made excuses. They said, "You know, this was a this was a delusion. We just imagined this. We maybe somebody's playing a trick on us 
and trying to get us to leave the sheep, and then they'll bring accusation against us, and uh, and we'll get we'll lose our our job. It seemed too too good to be true, to be real. And then they make the decision: let's go, and they do. They find the babe, Mary and Joseph. We notice that she receives uh, their words. It, it sort of supplements what the angel had said to her. It supplements what the angel had said to Joseph about this being a very special child. And then, after they have that time with the family, it says they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, this Savior, Christ, Lord, child that they had just seen, they had just witnessed. They shared that information, that information to others who heard. They were, they were amazed. They wondered. They had kind of a how can this be sort of an attitude about it. That didn't keep the angel, the shepherds from sharing that information. They were happy to share it. They spread the word abroad. And, and I will be singing the hymn in a few moments uh, about to go and tell it on the mountain, <coughs> telling that story. They couldn't help but tell that story because so great was their their gladness. We noticed that uh, when they began to explain what was going on, he said, we've got good news for you, which will be for all people, a joy. We, we've got a joy to give. And they went forth in great joy. And people are always impressed by people who have great joy. You, you know, do you know people that you just think of as being primarily a person that is full of joy? That's their main characteristic that you're not grumpy, not always complaining, not sour bush, you know? And the church worship is a time of great joy. Although I must admit there are times in which maybe some of us haven't quite informed our faces that our hearts are full of joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to have that expression and use that expression and what a witness that is to other people. When Tim, Anthony, and I sit down on Monday afternoons uh, to share ideas about the scripture that it will be used for the sermon on Sunday, uh, we ask certain questions. And one of them is, what do we want is it all right to tell the story? Go ahead. So lay it out of the back. We, we ask the question, what do we want our people to take with them when they leave? What's the takeaway? And I thought, what's the takeaway of this message? And, and this is what I came up with. I hope it hits somewhere close to home. First of all, to, that we will reaffirm that we believe that we live in a spiritual universe. It's not limited just to our eyes, ears, nose, and throat, or our smell, taste, sight, etc., five senses. We live in a spiritual, and, and we need to reaffirm our belief in that, no matter what anyone else may try to tell us uh, otherwise. Secondly, I hope you'll take away that you understand that there is an evil spirit out there, as Jesus said, wants to kill, steal, and destroy, who has a bad plan for your life and desires to trip you up, 
tries to help you make bad decisions with bad consequences. Go with the knowledge that that enemy is there. And thirdly, that God has provided assistance of an angel to assist you in this bad battle, this spiritual warfare to which we have just referred. A guardian angel it is referred to in the scripture. Uh, others have called it a ministering angel whose responsibility is to help us to, to appropriate all of the grace of God that is there to be given to us to use to be victorious in this world so that it will be a time in our lives of joy to the world. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for creating those spiritual beings, angels, to assist us. Because, Lord, you know we need it. We flounder without your divine guidance. And we thank you for those instruments in your guidance, your guardianship, your ministering to our lives. You're making the good things in life become ours because we have been directed, we've been guided. Grant us to go forth during this season, not just to think in terms of food and meals and parties and presents and cards and all of the trappings of this experience, but to realize that we're in a cosmic warfare and that your Holy Spirit comes to help us fight the battle so that we may be victorious. It will be good news. It will be for all people. It will bring joy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.